Hi there and welcome to the Anxiety Society podcast brought to you by Jordan Devlin and Scott Hope. This is a show where you can listen to people talk about their life experiences in relation to mental health. Visit Jordan's Anxiety Society on Facebook for updates on how you can get involved in future podcasts. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy. You're now listening to episode one of the Anxiety Society podcast. And today's episode is sponsored by Tams and Dudgeon at Train With Tam. Tamsin provides online and personal training to women between the ages of 18 and 35 years old who want to build confidence and gain self-worth through training their bodies and their mindset. Multiple women training with Tam have so far been losing body fat, toning up and buying whole new wardrobes to suit their brand new selves. So if you want to join these incredible women in changing your lifestyle, then feel free to look up Tam's training on Facebook and Instagram at Train With Tam. More information on how you can get involved and start training with Tam can be found on our Facebook page at Jordan's Anxiety Society and also our Instagram at Anxiety Society Podcast. But before we get started, um, today's episode is going to be all about the podcast, where the idea came about, what we hope to achieve from it, the type of people we're going to be speaking to on it, and just a little bit of background on myself and the mental health troubles I've had to deal with in the past and how I've overcame them. But uh, before we get started, just a little heads up, there is strong language throughout, so if you're not a fan, I'd advise that you do switch off now. But without further ado, enjoy. Thank you, David. I'm not a big fan, mate. I've uh, had... When you made them in home ec, Aye. I've never really liked them since because I, I made one in home ec and bit into it and it was still running and it was like running down my chin and that. So, <laughs> pure put me off it. So, and that means like it's Ash Wednesday the morning. Aye, did I. Ash Wednesday the morning. Oh, aye, it'll help. Wake up and put a fag out in your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, um, aye, so for this first one, we're obviously we'll be getting guests on at, uh, at some point. Hopefully, when we've got a bit a bit of a, a better setup, because we're both sitting with a couple of cushions there, the mics to try and cancel out the noise. So, as soon as we've got we're to, clue what we're trying to do here. No, as you can, you'll gather through these podcasts. We are a pair of fucking idiots. Who are in no way qualified to talk about any of this, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, aye, so we're we're learning as we go. Um, they're not going to be perfect to start with, but we're just going to take it as it comes. Um, aye, and they'll hopefully get better through time, and we'll get some some good guests on hopefully um, when we can get things a wee bit better. Rome hopefully. isn't built on a day, Scotty. No, it definitely wasn't, mate. You can't do it on one day. I go for it, mate. Uh, no, I was just going to say about the type of guests that we've got lined up to be uh, coming on. But I've lost my list. Some crackers, so. Aye, like we're trying to well, tick all bases, eh? So. Aye, well, got, my, my pal who's a who's a football agent, he's going to come on. That'll be de- that'll be decent. Uh, Lewis said she'll come on. So, my fiance, who's a professional football player, said she's happy to come on. And a good one at that. So that's... <laughs> Aye. No, it'd be good to hear for her too. That's what I mean, like, 
I don't want it to be just like we're hitting this group of people and we're just speaking to them because that's not going to tick all the bases. Like we're going to have people listening from a various, uh, various different backgrounds. So we really need to be hitting all these different bases for folk to actually like click on and be like, I I've Aye. been there. How did they deal with that? Like I feel like I could do that too. Honestly, I'd, I'm happy to talk to anybody, anybody that wants to come on and say their bit. Doesn't matter if doesn't matter what they've what they've dealt with. Um, I'd be interested in speaking to the happiest people as well as the people that that have I've struggled. I've actually got a couple that. Uh, Aye. I'm in at that man. They've not actually went through anything. Oh, I'm not going to say anything traumatic, but they've not really struggled with their mental health. Aye. But, uh, that's because they go about their life doing things that kind of prevent you from getting into that slump. I know that it happens to anybody. Like one day you could feel on top of the world, the next day you could feel the lowest of the low. Like it's it's literally a lucky dip on who suffers with mental health. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a good thing listening to good uh, people that haven't suffered with it because they'll obviously listen and think, God, I feel lucky because honestly the... Some of the times I've been, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. It's awful. I know. I would. I'd, I'd actually put myself in that, probably in that category. Um, it being quite lucky. Aye. And that I've I've never ever really struggled uh, with anything like that. Obviously, like we've not really spoke about this. We've actually kept it for this this first um, this first podcast, and as as close as we are. It's not something we've really discussed, and I had no idea, sort of how much you had struggled. Aye. At any point, because um, it's just it's just something that never come up. Uh, so it's good that we're we're actually talking about it now. Um, I was just say like I think that's probably why I wanted to get involved with this. Um, it's a wee bit more of an education for me. Aye. As well as well as getting talked to all these sound folk. Um, just to try and get an idea because I am probably a bit ignorant as to what people actually feel and what people go through in terms of like their mental health and anxiety like I've felt anxious before but it's always been in a completely normal circumstances where it's completely natural to feel anxious in these situations like a like an exam coming up or um, just like stuff like that just where it's perfectly natural so I can understand how you know how horrible feeling anxious is because it is horrible but I've never had it over tiny monotonous things where a normal person sort of brushes it off which That's obviously I mean, where uh, you're in a position where you have suffered like that uh, just exactly what you're saying like you've been in situations where it's normal to feel anxious in, but really any situation it's normal to feel anxious it's just one of these functions that your body carries out like I've I've spoke with a number of psychiatrists through the years, and they've all got the same explanations about the whole flight or flight techniques and how your mind works and how it's been like that since the cavemen and etc etc. But that's what folk need to realise. Like there's nothing unnatural about it. Like it's just another bodily function. Like Aye. your body will get anxious at times. Everybody feels it but everybody deals with it in different ways and I think this is what it's about. We're trying to figure out how folk deal with being anxious 
in the hope that other folk can kind of relate to their situations or learn from their uh, methods of getting out of an anxious situation, things like that. Aye. I suppose at, at, at some point so it must feel like <laughs> like there is nothing that you can do to take that anxiety away. Aye, 100% mate. And it's awful, like, it's especially these days, obviously the suicide rate's ridiculous. Aye. Higher in men higher in men than women, but that's that's evidently because girls speak about their problems, eh? Boys have got this Aye. sort of jacket on that is if I speak about my problems I'm weak. I'm an old day, like if I speak about my problems then I'm no longer regarded as a man, but I reckon if you're a boy and you speak about your problems it shows you how much more stronger a person than that you actually are. Aye. I actually think like even since we left, like, say, high school, the difference is unbelievable. Like, the amount of, say, like, good press that, that having good mental health actually gets. Um, it's, it's definitely got better. Certainly our generation is completely transforming it. Some uh, folks just didn't get it, though, eh? Like, I know I mean, there's I'm, a lot of folk I'm out I'm probably there. one of them, to be honest. Uh, no, but... Nah, nah, you're not one of them that I'm about to speak about, like, nah. Like, a lot of folk really want to do their bit and they're more than happy to go on social media and share all this stuff like National Suicide Day or uh, Mental Health Day, Mental Health Matters, uh, what is it? Speak Out. I can't even mind. Anyway, there's that many hashtags, etc. out there these days. And folk are just happy to just hashtag away, not having a clue about what they're doing. And then two weeks later, somebody will put a photo up and they'll hey, say, an Alfredo Morelos haircut, and they'll be the first person to comment saying, who done that? Was it Stevie Wonder? Aye. All these different type of things, like just digging in at somebody, digging in at somebody, and then gone and gone and gone. But... I'm just like, look, mate, you've literally just tweeted two weeks ago that mental health matters. You didn't care what that boy's gone through. Yeah. He could have cut that hair himself, and he could be so proud of that haircut. Granted, it's a shocker, but if you think it's a shocker, <laughs> keep it to yourself, you know what I mean? Like, there's no need for you to jump on social media and out someday when it's got nothing to do with you. If you're going to go on social media and say something, make sure it's nice. Aye because there's far too much negativity these days, mate, especially on social media. I know, but I suppose that, like, I, I, my, my thing with social media, um, as I say, I've got zero fucking qualifications or anything like that to actually talk about. I'm just talking about, like, me personally. But, um, I, at one point, although I wasn't struggling with mental health or that, I, at one point, thought, this is not good for me at all. Like, as soon as I went on Twitter, I felt instantly more disheartened. Uh, and I just got rid of it. And I got rid of Instagram, I got rid of everything. Uh, mm. And then it took maybe like a year and a half to actually feel comfortable again with going back on social media. And and even at that, it's only Instagram now that I, I, I never got Twitter back. Just because, as you say, as you were saying, it was just the same stuff coming up over and over again. I know. Um, and I just got, I just got sick of it. And I think maybe, like, it actually feels like 
you can't do without Twitter until you do without Twitter. And see, so once know. you delete it, you go to pick up your phone to look at it, and then you realise you've deleted it, and you put it back down, and you do something else. Like it's, it really doesn't make that much an impact on your life once you actually just bite the bullet and get rid of it. And I think that would probably benefit a lot of people. No, I agree 100%. But a lot of folk use it for different reasons. Personally, I just use it for like funny videos, etc. But obviously, they've got TikTok Again, and that. Now. That's it, quite you can, decent. <laughs> you can get rid of like. I wouldn't say like being able to. Like, you can find funny videos anywhere. Like, there's. You just need to go on a group chat, mate. <laughs> exactly, aye. Like, you don't need to be on Twitter to. Uh, to get stuff like that, so if it's if it's causing you more harm than good, then just get rid of it. Aye. Right. Uh, let's talk about uh, the podcast, how it came about, and how the charity came about, because aye. that's what we're here for at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> aye, aye, as I. Right. So, the charity point of view. Basically, just at the tail end of last year there, I was uh, struggling quite a bit again with my mental health. I felt totally fine, I was just going through some other different problems, uh, and I was off my work sick because of it. Uh, and I went and speak to my, uh, spoke to my GP, like so many people do these days. Uh, he prescribed me medication, something I've never been a fan of in the past. Don't get me wrong, it does wonders for people, but... I'm just, I just prefer to deal with things naturally. It's just the way I've always, the the way I've always done it. So, the GP gave me, he gave me tablets. He gave me website links, and he says I've put you on a website for the NHS to see a psychiatrist. Blah blah blah. You'll hear for them shortly, and that was in. The start of October in 2020 and it's now what's today's date the 16th of February 2021 and I've not heard a peep back for the NHS now don't get me wrong I think the NHS are doing an absolutely amazing job regardless of what department it is whether it's the high dependency unit dealing with Covid patients or the psychiatric unit dealing with folk like myself who need that little bit help to get them back to where they need to be but they're clearly overwhelmed and that is a massive problem especially when you look at the figures of people that are killing themselves these days especially young people actually because it's all fine and well saying oh if you're struggling you need to go to the doctors and get help like I'm a prime example like luckily I feel fine but there's a lot of people out there but like, look, you need to go and get help. So they're like, right, fine, I'm going to go to the doctors. And see the amount of anxiety that puts on you, just having to go to the doctors for the first time. Like, I can remember the first time I had to go to the doctors about mental health-related issues. I'll speak about it in a minute, but that is so nerve-wracking. Eh? And the fact that they've worked up the bottle to do that is amazing. But for them to get in the door and the doctor to be like, ah, here's some meds. Here's a couple of links to a couple of websites. Listen to these meditation videos. Do this, do that. I'll put you on the waiting list and you'll hear from somebody just shortly. And then they send you out the door. 
So you go home from the doctors that day thinking, great, I feel I feel class now. I've got these tablets. He's gave me websites. I'm going to look at them straight away. Yeah. Excuse me. That's a beer coming back. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you get home. You've you've got these tablets. You've got these websites. Blah 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 blah. And then you're sitting in there, in your house, months on end. The clock goes round. Not a phone call. Not an email. Not a text message. Not anything from the NHS to say. Right, Mr. Devlin you now have an appointment on X date. So I'm just like, how is this beneficial to anybody? Like, as I say, luckily I feel fine, but all it takes is for somebody to be feeling suicidal. They finally get the courage to be like, right, I'm going to go and speak and get help. They go to the doctors, they're like, right, I've put you on a waiting list. Get out. And then they could need to be, like, oh, Ken, everybody's situation's different, but... And there's, there is different charities out there, like Samaritans, blah, blah, blah. But people need to be seen sooner. Like, if the boy was having a cardiac arrest, there'd be an ambulance straight on him. Granted, that's physical health, but mental health's no different. Like, a cardiac arrest has got very high potential to kill you. See, when you're suicidal, that has also got very high potential to, high potential to kill you. You know what I mean? Aye. Like... Although one of them's physical and something can get done to resolve it there and then, it's the exact same thing mentally. Maybe all that person needs is a, is a cuddle or just somebody to listen to their problems. But I just think the system's so backwards uh, and the fact that I've been on a waiting list for now, what, three months? What's that? 12, 13 weeks? is just ridiculous. So is, is that just for treatment? That's aye, that's just to see somebody. Just to see somebody. Aye, so they've like that's not even getting to the bottom of our problem or whatever. That's just to initially be told that right, you've got an appointment now. So I've not even got an appointment at this rate, I'm still on a waiting list. Did they, when you went to the GP and that, did they um did they like diagnose anything or or is it like a, a specialist that you need to go and see? Nah, it's just like anxiety, yeah, so like, as you say, as you felt anxiety in different situations, Aye. but obviously, everybody feels it different. Like, I get anxiety, I had anxiety due to the whole COVID situation, it was affecting my work, so that's why I was off my work with and stuff, so. Aye. And obviously, if you're off your work during COVID and in lockdown, what else have you got to think about other than what you're anxious about? <laughs> Aye. And what, uh, what medication do you, like, what can you possibly get for that? Uh, well, I got prescribed a tablet that was um, sertraline. <coughs> uh, he started me off with a beta blocker, which uh, limits the adrenaline pumped into the bloodstream when you're feeling anxious. And it was propanerol or something, I think it was called. He gave me that, and I just felt absolutely awful with it. So Aye. I went back and I said, look, that's just not working. Try Is it like a, like a numbness you get with that? Nah, I reckon, it just honestly made me feel awful, like I was getting the sweats, I felt sick. Like, I've got like a low heart rate as it is without having beta blockers to stop adrenaline. Aye. Uh, but, nah, so, I went back, they gave me the Sertraline, which is the one I was on up until about a month ago, but honestly, 
I think the best tablet for if you're struggling with anything mental health wise is speaking to somebody because that's me tried what three tablets in my life that are very common so there's a lot of folk uh, out there that actually them. take them and Aye. they've done nothing eh? I felt like what's actually helped me recently is getting out getting on the bike going on a cycle doing a wee home workout uh, talking to you about getting this started because I know I've got something to focus on I've Aye. got something to drive towards like that's what I mean you just need to set yourself all these little goals and just I uh, just try and avoid going into that wee hole where all you can think about is the bad things that are like upsetting you or uh, I don't know it's just it's a hard it's a hard thing to explain but uh, I was like um, like I think anybody who obviously probably, like anybody who knows you well would know that you had you had been struggling with anxiety and things like that. But folk who don't know you would be I think astounded that that you would you would struggle with that because you're obviously really outgoing, uh, and you take the piss a lot. So I think that I think that's hid it quite well. And I think that's why I didn't really click. Not not that I didn't know that you were dealing with someone, but I didn't really click as to this like the seriousness. Aye. Like I genuinely thought it was maybe like um, you had been drinking and you'd woke up and you'd go to the fear the next day. <laughs> like that was my genuine thoughts on it. Oh, I still get like, that. And it wasn't, and it, and it genuinely wasn't until like you started, like you said, you were going to start the the charity. I was like, fucking hell, it must have been <laughs> a lot more serious than that. Aye. Uh, but I think like people hide it very well. You're selling coded. Uh, it's, it's a strange one, eh? Like, I didn't, uh, I didn't go out of my way to hide it. Like, I've got no problem speaking about it, clearly. <laughs> but, uh, it's just, it's not one of the things that comes up in conversations, especially if you're a guy. Like, when you've not seen somebody in a while, like, they're like, oh, how you doing? What have you been up to? Like, and instantly you start thinking about what Your instant response is, aye, nothing. Aye, <laughs> uh, uh, no, match you. Aye, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> but, that's what I mean, like, when boys speak, like, oh, what's been happening? How's it going? Like, you just instantly think about, how's your job? What have I been, outside, what have I been up to outside of work? It's not, how am I in my head? How, I, how are you actually feeling? Aye. Uh, because at that, that point it? in time, <laughs> you're feeling class because you've just seen your pal, you've not seen energy, so you're like, what's happening, mate? Aye. <laughs> and very seldom do you actually, are you asking that question where like looking for a genuine response. Oh no. Like, like it's just could rattle absolutely bullshit and you'd be like, Oh classmate. Aye, aye. Half the time you didn't even listen to the response to that question. Okay. <laughs> like you didn't you just go, oh, how you doing? Aye good mate, how's yourself? Aye good. <laughs> and then that's it. Like but I think boys are literally like again it's obvious but it's so opposite to last is like the first conversation, like, say boys go on a night out, like, I could be totally wrong here, but this is just what a picture happens, right, so boys go on a night out, we're at, we're at a house beforehand, 
your pal comes here, Santa mate, how's it going? That standard question, I know bad mate, just working away, what about you? Same goes, that's a conversation done, you move on. Whereas lassies, when they first meet, if they're going on a night out, hiya, what's been, up? What's been happening? And they've got a fucking paragraph to read each other. You'll never guess what he's done this time. <laughs> and they go on and on and on, and they they cover every single base so they can. It's not, it's not a bad thing by the just have a great night. Uh, but then, at the end of the night, when you're in like a male environment, that's when all the wee feelings and that start creeping up. So it's like two, three in the morning. You're sitting there absolutely blitzed. And you're with that boy, you says, alright mate, how's it going to earlier? And now you're like, here mate, I've been struggling now. <laughs> and then that's when you start speaking, but you're too pissed. So when you woke up in the morning, you're going to think, I hope he didn't remember what I said to him last night. And the other oh, boy's he was just... Probably talking, he was probably talking shite anyway. Aye. And then you flip it the other way about, lassies at the end of the night, they're on cloud nine, not giving a single fuck having the time of their lives, not a care in the world, everything like that. But I think that's just like the definition of polar opposites uh, Aye. and how different we are. Did, did, it, did it start for you when you when you like started going out in that or was it earlier than that? Oh no, no, it was way earlier than that. Is it? We were drinking, as you do. Uh, I had a two bomb at the time, standard. Uh, Aye. And we walked all the way from the Glen down to Peace Hill in the Shyth. Were you there Aye. that day, nah? No, I don't think so, nah. Uh, so anyway, we walked down. Uh, we were on the sort of back road between Rosyth and Lime Kilns. And the polis pulled over on a unmarked car. Uh, so they obviously took all the drink off us. But uh, Craig Murphy was there, and he had a half bottle of Glens on him at the time, and he had like a, it was like a man Aye. bag or something, and he had it like stashed in that, and the police couldn't find it. Man. So anyway, there's about six of us, we've all had our bevy to and a half of us, but we walked around the corner away for the police after they've just took our names and asked where we got our bevy, blah blah blah, and he whaps out this half bottle, and we were like, everybody's like, oh my god. How class. Like, we thought the party was <laughs> over and now it's just getting started a half bottle between six folk. Uh, right, so we go we goes down to Peace Hill. We ended up getting minced that night. Is that the woods just for folk that don't fucking What's that? know? Is that Peace the woods? Hill. Nah nah, it's just a, like a wee housing estate in the side. Ah oh, right, uh, right. So we went in there, got bevied and that went home and then I woke up the next day and honestly I've never felt anything like it like the only way I can describe it is I was living my life in third person so I woke up in pure panic eh? like it like I know it wasn't a hangover like I've had I had hangovers before this point but I was like nah like my life isn't real here. Like there's something there's something not right. So I was sweating and I was like, I wonder if something 
got put in my drink last night, and then I got thinking. I was like, Aye. I had I had my own drink up until like the police took it off me. So, what did I have that would have mind? And then it, it got me thinking to that half bowl. So then I'm texting all the boys and that, and I'm like, Here, are you so feeling all right? And they're all messaging back saying, Aye, what you on about? Blah blah. blah. And I can remember it was Craig's half bottle, and he'll be able, he'll be able to tell you this because we'll get him on the podcast at some point. And uh, I messaged him. I was like, Craig, did you put anything in that half bottle last night, mate? And he was like, Nah. And I was adamant there was something in it because I was like, How can I be feeling like this? Like honestly, there's no way to describe it. Like I was having to go to the bathroom to get cold water for the tap and chucking it on my face just to feel some sort of sensation because I was just numb. I was numb, I felt like I was non-existent, I felt like I was just somebody on like a video game or something. So, that's that was like the, when it all kicked off, I, I, must have, I must have only been about 17 and, or something. And, and like, every time you've had something since that, has it been like, has it felt similar? Nah, 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 it's nothing been like, nothing's been like that since, uh, like, that was like the extreme, the extreme. But, uh, after I felt like that, uh, I said to mum and dad, I was like, this, I, I don't feel right at all. Uh. And I can remember Wimbledon was on the TV, because I actually said, I told this story to Craig about two weeks ago or something, uh, for the first time. Uh, it was a, I think it was the first time Andy Murray won at Wimbledon, and I was sitting watching the telly, and I was just, I was second guessing everything. Like, so I'm like, that isn't real, it's fake, everything's fake. Like, it's all lies, blah, blah, blah. So I'm lying there and I'm, I'm sweating it. And I'm watching the scoreboard. And Andy Murray actually wins a point. But the score from whoever he was playing goes up instead. So I'm like, ah, oh, hold on a minute here. There's, there's something wrong. There has to be something wrong. Like, Andy Murray <laughs> won that point. And I was just panicking over something like that, mate. And I was sweating. And I can remember just jumping up and I could not get a breath. I felt like I was having a heart attack. Uh, I actually grabbed the phone, phone 999. I couldn't even speak to them. And then I chucked the phone down the stair. And my mum and dad came out and they were like, Jordan, Jordan, what's up? And I just, I couldn't speak. I thought I was having a heart attack. So I was obviously like, panicking at my nutter. So I'm running outside and uh, my mum and dad's speaking to the ambulance on the phone. And my mum and dad's like, Jordan, you're just having a panic attack, calm down. Then obviously, when you're in that state where you can't get a breath and you feel like your world's about to end. It oh, just gets worse. Aye. If you think you're having a heart attack, you're having a heart attack. Eh? Like, nobody can Aye. tell you different. So, I was in that mental state of panic. So basically the ambulance was never coming because they understand uh, they understood it was a panic attack and they were like, right, bring him up to the Queen Margaret and we'll see him. So I went up I went up to the Queen Margaret. Uh, they done all these checks, they were like, I just as I said before, it was just a blast of adrenaline. But obviously I'm in no position to believe anybody at this point. I still feel like I'm walking about in a third person. It's honestly the strangest feeling. I can't even put myself back into that mindset and to be honest, I wouldn't want to. But I can just remember leaving the hospital that day and uh, that was me for about the next two months in the house. Could not leave the house. 
I actually had to sleep with my mum and dad throughout that whole two months. I, I couldn't be left in a room on my own because I thought if I got left in a room on my own, I, I was going to die. Uh, I listened to the same Jesus. song on repeat. It was Hey Brother by Avicii at the time and I watched the lyrics on screen. Terrible choice. Just kept man. on watching it over and over and over it. Hoping, well not hoping, thinking that a word was going to come up that wasn't a word that was sang, so I'm thinking, bang, there's a mistake, there's something wrong. Just looking for something to panic about it. Like, going back and forward to the toilet, getting the cold water, splashing it over my face, making sure I was still here. And then, obviously, I was getting that, like, panicky feeling about, like, feeling it like having a heart attack and that. So I was speaking to my dad, and he was like, right, it's like what the doctor says, it's just a... Rush your adrenaline. Why don't you just take yourself out for a run? So uh, I took myself out for a run. I got all fucking dolled up in that. Just put a jumper on. Sprinted uh, outside my house, which was at Resyth at the time. Ran down the alleyway, and I can remember getting to the very bottom of the alleyway, and it takes you to a road called Admiralty Road, right next to the Shell Garage. And I'm just Aye. standing there, and I'm obviously still feeling like this isn't real and it actually crossed my mind at one point that I could easily jump out in, a fr- in front of a car here and nothing's going to happen because I'm not real honestly it was the most psychotic Fucking hell, man. experience I've ever felt and it wasn't until about and how, how long how, how long after that was the actual was the night that it happened like when you had that thought of like I can jump out in front of a motor. How long after, like, that night was uh, it? That must have been about a month or something. That's mental, man. So you're feeling like that for that I whole time? Mean, I just felt like my whole life is a lie. Every day I woke up, I thought, well, this is fake. So it doesn't matter what happens. That's great. Were you, were you working at that point? Uh, nah, nah. I don't think I was working. Still at school? I think we'd just left school. And, uh, like that summer? Between, like, Before you'd started an apprenticeship or that? But that's what I mean, mate. Honestly, see, try to think back to it. Like, I can, it's just like glimpses that I can remember. So, because of that, I've actually recently requested my medical record so I can actually see a timeline of what actually happened. So I can give myself Aye. a wee bit closure on, like, what dates was I here, what dates was I there. But after that time, like, I'm obviously, I've been to that road and I'm just thinking, I could easily jump out here and nothing's going to happen. The car's going to go right past me because I'm fake, I'm not real. I felt like I was a ghost. That's why I felt like I had to always be with somebody. Like, I'd be lying in bed. Uh, next, I'd be lying in the bedroom next door to my living room in my old house. Mm-hmm. And honestly, see if I shouted mum or dad and they did not reply to me, that would be me, panicking out my nut, thinking that's me, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm not existent. And they always had to be like, I job not here, just so I had some wee bit of reassurance that I was still alive and it wasn't just a dream. But I, it's a... And how, how long did it take for you to come out of that? And was there, was there anything that actually like triggered like you to, or was it just like a gradual sort ah, of coming in? it was gradual, eh? because like, 
obviously once I've once I felt like the way I felt every day I woke up I was feel the question I was asking myself do I feel real today and then as soon as I'd ask myself that I'd be straight back in to where I felt like everything's Aye. fake I'm numb like I'm constantly walking about every day looking for things that are wrong like it, honestly it could be the daftest things like you could be watching I could be watching BBC News right and they've got the subtitles along the bottom if there's a word misspelled that would be me panicking at my nap. Like I was just constantly looking about for my mis- like mistakes that I could cling on to and think there's something no right. See that that's what I mean by like my ignorance. Like, I had no idea not even that you had dealt with this, but that even that the other people dealt with that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Like, I, I always thought that, like, if somebody was feeling anxious, it would be, like, a personal thing, mm. rather than being triggered by something that's way out of your control. Well, to be fair. Like, th- there is no way that you can control mistakes that happen on a TV. I know. Like, I, I didn't actually know, like, as far as I was aware, this experience that I had, around mental health and like anxiety through the roof and not feeling real and like that is psychotic like I didn't have anything to relate to about that until about three weeks ago or something I was watch- I was listening to a podcast by uh, Joe Wicks and he interviewed the actor that's on is it Homeland called David Harewood uh, I don't know him, but... So he interviewed him and basically... Apologies, he David. got uh, sectioned at the start of his career. Uh, and he goes... He does a whole uh, documentary on how he was psychotic and how he felt. And see the amount of things I related to when I was watching that, it was mental. Like, he, he was talking about the same thing. Like, this is all fake. Like... I'm I'm looking at myself in third person. It's it's nothing's real, but ah, uh, it's just it's a weird one to explain, like without knowing the hundred percent details of what actually happened. But hopefully, once I've seen my medical records and like continue to do this podcast, like I can give you a wee bit more information. But aye, uh, and did you did you did you get any medication through that point? Nah, I refused it. Yeah. Did you? Because that night that I was watching Andy Murray on TV on the Wimbledon and and I phoned the ambulance. When I went up to the Vic, that was when I first got told about the whole beta blockers and and how it stops your adrenaline. And to me that was like, it stops your adrenaline so you can't get any adrenaline. And I can just remember sitting, I don't know why this came to my head, but I was like, I've been to America and Orlando Studios and that, like, how the fuck could I go to a theme park and not have adrenaline? Thinking <laughs> that if, if I take one of these tablets, that's my adrenaline done for the rest of my life. <laughs> You're never going to feel anything ever again. But that just shows you how naive and young I was. We still are, mate. Still fucking learning all the time, man. But uh, uh, there's only uh, only a couple of things going back 
back to that like situation in my life. Uh, so obviously I went to the Queen Margaret that night, got told it was a panic attack, blah blah blah. Time went on, I went out for the run, seen the car, like at this point when I'm like standing on the edge of the pavement thinking if I jump out in this car nothing's gonna happen. Like I don't feel suicidal, it's not something I want to do. Like I'm not like oh, I'm gonna jump in front of that car and hope it kills me. Like it was nothing like that, it was a it was merely a if I jump out in front of this car, nothing will happen because this is all a dream. I made it a, like an internal uh, thought rather like than... I was never suicidal. Like well, I actually put it towards action. Like I felt alright. Granted, there was things that I've found out that have triggered that whole anxiety episode, which we'll speak about in a minute, but... Uh, I, after that, I went to the GP and they referred me to the, psychiat- no, the uh, psychiatric psychology, NHS, blah, 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 whatever it is, and I can, I actually spoke to my mum and dad about this about a month ago, because I'm still convinced that I went to this, it was this old-fashioned building in Kirkcaldy or something, it was somewhere out that way, Uh, and it was to see a psychiatrist, and my dad drove me there, Uh, and I can just remember going in the front door and it was like these big massive old wooden doors that like creaked and they slammed when I got the other side of them so I was inside the building and it just like <laughs> so that was like so surreal because I can, I can still picture it in my head right now so I'm thinking it must have been real I have no enjoy- I did sh- <laughs> just shit myself there that was fucking you, you pure you pure sucked me in there, and then you fucking slammed the table. That was like somebody telling a fucking ghost story. Honestly, mate, it feels like a ghost story. I was pure into that there, man. Shit myself there. That fucking hell. This cunt can tell stories, man. So, uh, I am inside this building, uh, and we're just sitting in the waiting room, and it's like proper old school, eh? like the fucking paint marks shocking. It's got the old shitey carpet you'd find in your RE class at school. Uh, the urinals are like still cast iron, cast iron pipes, or like copper pipes, everything up the wall. Just everything about it is old fashioned, riddled with like horror film. Eh? So I was sitting there and then the last comes out, she's like, right, Mr. Devlin. So I've stood up and I go in and the last is sitting speaking to me in that. So she's asking me like, how are you feeling? I'm just telling her, I'm like, I feel like I'm in third person, like I'm hovering above my body, like I can't, I can't feel anything, like I'm having to go to the toilet to chuck cold water on myself to feel things. And she's speaking blah, 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 blah. And she's like, right, can you step outside for a second? So that's where like the alarm bells start ringing. So Aye. I stepped outside, it's just my dad and the, the psychiatrist. So I took myself to the toilet and I'm thinking, fuck me, this is a mental institution, I'm not getting out of here. I'm thinking, they are actually locking the doors and throwing away the key, that is me in. Like, this isn't a normal how to feel like this, like, I cannot get out of here today. And my mind just starts playing tricks, so I fucking, I'm worked up and worked up and worked up. So I go back into the room, I'm like, right dad, what's happening? Like, you need to tell me. And he's like, right, we're away. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, right, it's time to go. Like, your meeting's done. 
And I was like, fuck me, thank God for that. <laughs> you know, I was, I was going to say, I thought you were about to start climbing out windows, yeah. I genuinely thought that was me, yeah. Like, I didn't care nothing about me, like, mental institution. Like, it's, I can it's naive. And it's common that everybody's like, oh, Ward 2. Like, everybody kinds what Ward 2 is. <laughs> but I genuinely uh-huh. thought I was the newest fucking patient in Ward 2. That's weird. So, have you ever, like, actually, like, Told anybody this before this podcast, no. or but other than close family, yeah, like obviously, my, that's my fucking brave, man. About it, eh? But aye, but yeah, other than that, really knows. like what a way to fucking tell folk that you're literally telling it. It must actually be like a bit of a weight lifted off to actually. Oh, it's me, hundred percent. Honestly, see after like, like just be able to talk about it. Like, like I'm obviously getting out the mental institution or whatever it was. I think it was actually just like a college that they were holding meetings in that day. But uh, no, it's a it's an absolute weight off my shoulders, and that's why I want to encourage folk to come on here and tell their own story because it will be a hundred percent different to mine. It will be a hundred percent different to the next Aye. person, and it will be a hundred percent different to the person that spoke before them. Like, everybody's story is going to be different. Granted, there might be bits where they can overlap and they can relate with each other, but everybody deals with things in their own way. And I hope that what I've just said is, like, I don't hope, actually, because it was horrible. Like, maybe there's folk out there that are going to listen to what I've just said and think, fuck me, I felt like how you felt. I'm sure that there 100% will be. 100%. But that's what I mean at that time. That's meant, I, I, as, as I say, I didn't realise, obviously I didn't realise you'd went through it. Like, not at that mm. age anyway. I thought it would maybe come later. But you were saying like earlier, like, has there been anything that sort of, like, triggered you since that point? Like, that, that puts you into, like, these these states of, like, panic or yeah, anxiety? Yeah, like, uh, like, I get, I get anxiety in that. Like, every time I've had a drink and I'll, like, every time I've drank too much and I wake up the next day and I'm hungover, I will get a wee bit of anxiety, but it's nothing, nothing like what that was. Aye, I think everybody's in the same boat with that. I think that's, I think that's a, the worst part about a hangover. It's absolutely horrible, oh, man. I've had myself losing my job in that for absolutely no reason. <laughs> well, I'm going to lose my job here. What? Well, you actually oh, did nothing. Know. What are you talking about? And it's not to the, like the, the next day when you sleep it off and you try and rationalise it. You're like, what were you on about yesterday? What were you fucking? Your mind just goes into overdrive. What were you saying? What up about? about the ah, it does, man. You can't switch off. So I can sort of, I can't kind of sympathise, but I can definitely empathise with like the the feeling of, and it doesn't matter what you do that you cannot get rid of that f- throughout the day no. for some reason. Like you just feel the fear. All day. But that's Fucking horrible, man. You do it next week, and then you do it the week after that, and then the week after that again. It doesn't stop you. Like that's when you can. It's not too bad. Like it's. No, it's it's because it's it's good when it's good, uh, but it's. You you kind of forget what sort of like a tattoo like. 
if like any tattoo I've ever got, I went, oh, I can't wait to get my next tattoo. And then as soon as I've sat in the chair <laughs> and they stuck the needle in, I've been like that. No, I fucking remember what this is like. Get me out of this chair. I know. <laughs> okay. And then, <laughs> like, when you're hungover, every, everybody says, like, never again. <laughs> fucking never again. doing this again. And then you completely forget what it feels like to feel that shite and you enjoy the good bits. But, okay. The good, it normally does outweigh the bad, as long as it's like, you've got a healthy relationship uh, with it. Then it's, I'd say it was worth the, the shit times to, to have the laughs that you do have. Uh, that's what I mean, like at the tail end, at the tail end of last year, like, uh, I was I was starting to get a bad relationship with it, like, just drinking far too much. Just, honestly, just drinking to a point where I couldn't physically put the drink to my mouth anymore. That's how shit I felt, and there was no reason for it, I just didn't feel good at all. And it wasn't fair on the folk that were around me. So, I eventually fucking had to make changes and stuff, but nah, like, as much as drinks are really good Aye. social, uh, I don't even care what word to use, as much as it's good socially, like, you really need to respect it because it can so easily fuck you up. Uh. Aye. Mate, I've not got a clue about anything. I am fucking completely in the dark here. This is a genuine fucking learning experience for me here. It's good the, though, son. The, the fucking the technology included. <laughs> just fucking learn it. Just Sorry, fucking I'm on the buttons there, what about? Take it as we fuck. I thank fuck, because if I was on the buttons, none of this would be recorded. Right, <laughs> uh, right, we'll go back. Aye, so after your your first um, after your first experience, like. What was the fucking? Did you have any like triggers after that? Like, how often did it occur after that point? Uh, well, like, could you count? Like could you count them on one hand? Like the episodes that you've had, or is it pr- fairly regular? I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't even say it was more than one episode. I think it was just the one very long episode that I felt like nobody. There. And it lasted about three months, and I can't even pinpoint the day I woke up and I felt fine because it wasn't like that. It was, it was like a gradual, gradual process. Like, Aye. Every day I woke up, I always asked myself, "Is this a dream?" But like, obviously, the busier I was and the more out and about I was getting, the better I was getting. Aye. But uh, no, nah, I would say it was only like one experience. Like obviously I've dealt with anxiety throughout my life after that. Aye, that's what I mean. Like when when was the next sort of like like it's, it, I'm I'm just trying to understand. Like is it is it something you deal with every day or is there nah, nothing like, like that. E- or is there like episode? I'm not even saying like to that extent, but like would you say that you have episodes or it's something that you live with every day? Or is I'd it a scale? My anxiety is a lot more under control. With, like I, I, I know if I'm getting like heart palpitations or starting to sweat, like the adrenaline's pumping. Like I know what's happening, so I there's no need to panic. Like whereas if you take that back, what five six years ago, I'm on the phone in an ambulance thinking I'm having a heart attack. Aye. 
Like, honestly, I could be in the same room as you right now thinking I'm about to have a panic attack, but I'd still speak to you like I'm speaking to you right now, like, because I can what's happening. And that's... Ah, uh, so you've, you've more so adjusted to it rather than... a doctor that, like, explains what's physically happening inside your body. It puts your mind to rest so much, yeah. And when was that explained to you? Was that fairly recent or is it... Was that after, like, during that episode? So, that was... The first time it got explained to me was, like, the first meeting I had with the psychologist. And that was after, like, my very first episode when I was having to pour water, fucking think I was having heart attacks, could jump in front of motors, all this shit. Uh, So, after I was at the Queen Margaret the night, uh, I got referred to psychology and I, I think I got seen by them within a week. So I don't know if they've got like a priority list on how shit you're feeling or things like that. But uh, I saw so I went, it was down in the south, down at the medical centre. Uh, I had an appointment to see a psychologist in there and I went on my own. Uh, and I got in, I was speaking to, it was a it was a man, I can't remember his name or anything, but uh, and it just something just didn't feel right at all like obviously I didn't feel right for different reasons but I just didn't feel very easy about the situation I was in Uh, so it kind of put me off going to see psychologists after that but I'll I'll explain that as I go so anyway I I get into a room with this psychologist guy and he's like hi there I'm so and so how's it going Tell me how you feel. So I'm, I'm telling him how I've told like the last three or four doctors I've seen this same week, and I'm just like, I, I feel like I, my life's a fucking lie, well not a lie, it's fake. Like I feel like the whole thing's a dream. I'm having to pour water. I feel like I can jump in front of cars. I feel like I'm just fucking. This, it's all just all the bollocks. And the first thing he says to me he says, "Do you take drugs, Mister Devil?" And I'm 17 year old and I'm like, I feel like, I'm not trying to say a good background, but like, there's nobody in my family that's ever touched drugs or that, so I'm like, ah, nah. A good background. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, uh, no, but honestly, if you've took drugs, you can tell me. And I'm just like, nah, honestly, I, like, I, haven't, I haven't touched drugs. He's like, honestly, if you tell me you've touched a drug, like, I will not run and tell, like, your mum, dad, like, it's all confidential. And I'm sitting here like that. <clears throat> Mate, if I'm telling you I've not touched a fucking drug, go and just get it I in your not, head. I've not done it, I. Like, I'm not going to sit and lie to you, like, I feel like my whole life's a fucking dream. Do you think if anything right now, I should be making up drugs I've taken? <laughs> like, honestly. And he just kept on going with it, and I was like, that instantly picked me on, like, the back foot, and I'm like, ah, what am I doing here? Like, this boy thinks I'm taking drugs and this is why I'm, I feel like I'm fucking in fairyland. So, after that, we've established I haven't took drugs. I told him about the fucking half bottle of Glenn's vodka and thinking about if something was being put in it and I'd spoke to fucking blah, blah, blah. And he says, right, I'll talk to you about the fight or flight. And then he he gets talking about how the adrenaline works in your body and how it was for the caveman era and how 
it was designed that if a caveman was standing outside one day cooking his dinner and he seen a fucking tiger galloping towards him, he'd have a fucking burst of adrenaline put through his bloodstream where he could either fight or flight so he'd have enough fucking oxygen going to the muscles to use them. Aye. But obviously we've we've carried that right through and we get it in weird situations so we could have a job interview sitting outside in the waiting room bang the adrenaline starts going and then you start getting all pumped up but there's no need to get pumped up Uh, it's just all these different things so that's when I first got told about that whole understanding of how the body works but what I gathered for that was uh, the whole going to see a psychiatrist psychologist I don't actually like the difference it shows you how much a professional I am about this topic uh, it just wasn't for me because every time like I, I started to feel better outside of that for like the first couple of weeks and then my mum would be like right mind you've got the psychologist today and then all of a sudden I'm like ah, right I've got the psychologist <laughs> anxious about it why again. have I got the psychologist because I've got a fucking problem in my head. So now I'm going to go and need to sit in a room with this guy and just tell him about everything that's shit about my life. So it's basically focusing on everything that is a problem in my life in a room. Like, so I can't even bury it. Like, I'm not saying that's healthy either, but I felt like I was starting to, like, get back on my two feet and then bang, I'd have an appointment and it would just bring everything right I'd back just up regal- to the surface. I just sort of bring everything back to the, the front of your mind Aye. again. But everything, like, different things work for different people, but I just felt like whenever I had an appointment, it was a constant reminder. Uh, like that something wasn't right. Aye. Aye, so he was sitting talking about the struggles, and he's just basically asking about past trauma and... Like, is there anything that could uh, happen that could put you into this sort of mindset and that? And I had never thought about it like this until he'd said that, but about about five, well, say between three and six months before I had this massive first episode, uh, my grand died. And... My gran was like my absolute everything. Eh? Like my whole life was my gran. Like I loved her to bits. I was absolutely devastated when she died. Uh, but I and I just feel like I I never really grieved her. Like I can still remember going to the hospice and seeing her. Now I was there right up until the last second totally fine, didn't bat an island, didn't even shed a tear, like obviously inside I was heartbroken, like I'll never get to speak to her again, but I was kind of happy that I got to share that moment with her, Aye. and then that was it, uh, and then the funeral come, uh, uh, so we're at the funeral, and then again I wake up that day, like, all my clothes and that are all ironed, I'm ready to go, like, everybody's, like, my gran's got sisters, she's obviously got my mum, eh, her husband, which is my day, he'd already passed, so she was kind of our own in that respect, but 
she was well known around Kelly. Uh, and all these folk were so upset. And I was, here's me the golden boy and I, I've got a fucking smile on my face on like the saddest day ever. So I'm like, ah, what the fuck's happening? So, anyway, we go to the funeral, it was doing it, uh, the chapel, and get, is it the chip? what's the one that's doing the back street? Church, doing it at St. Joseph's. Across your house? Aye, St. Joseph's. Aye, I was in there, aye, that's where the funeral was, yeah. So we're in there, uh, and I'm one of the coffin carriers, eh? first time I've ever done it, I'm just a wee boy at this point, I say a wee boy, I was only about 16, 17, uh, so obviously I'm carrying the coffin light on, but another five, five folk, can't remember exactly who it was, and I still feel alright, and it's not until you're starting to look at faces that you're really close with, and how devastated they are, that it starts to chip away at yourself. Aye. So I can just remember walking down, uh, is it the altar? Nah. Aisle. 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 <laughs> walking down the aisle. Altar's about the front. Aye. Just shows you how good a car to camera. <laughs> <laughs> just walking down the aisle towards the altar, and I'm just looking at everybody's face, yeah, and they're all just kind of like putting that sad smile on to say, I hope you're alright, son. Aye. Because everybody can't, like, me and my gran, like, we were close as anything, eh? So, obviously, I'm seeing everybody's faces, I'm just like, fucking hell, it's starting to get a wee bit real now, but I'm alright, I'm alright, I'm alright, I'm just talking myself through it. Uh, so, anyway, this, the service and that's over. Uh, and then we go to the, we go to the cemetery at Cowden Beath. And then that's when you... Well, fuck Ken, how fucking funeral works, Jordan. Doesn't matter. <laughs> That's where you got to lower the fucking coffin into the ground. Aye. Uh, so I was, I was again, I was one of the cord bearers, and it wasn't until I let go of that cord, my whole fucking life shattered. Aye. Because I can I'd have nothing, nothing, like remotely close to my grand whatsoever again. Like, there's no way to explain it, like, I can't even, I, 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 I think everybody would, would, would understand that, like, that, like, there's just certain uh, relationships that you just can't replicate, like, as uh, much as you love girlfriends and wives and fucking, like, there's just nothing like your gran or your mum, like, uh, it's just that you can't replicate it. But what beats me that day was, like, like, during the service, I'd done it, I think it was me and my sister, we stood up and we said a, we said a wee piece about our gran, blah, blah, blah. But I actually played my pipes at our fucking graveside that day, and I've no fucking idea to this day how I managed it, eh, looking back. Because I tell you right now, I, I couldn't go back there right now and play them, eh? Aye, and how you got a broke. fucking breath, aye. <laughs> I couldn't get a breath, aye, but... <laughs> But, oh, nah, but it was, as soon as I stopped playing, like, I just collapsed, eh? I just turned into sheer devastation. I felt like that was my whole world ended. But ten minutes after that, I was back to being fine, Because eh? I had folk around me saying, look, son, 
you're gonna be proud of you, blah blah blah. Like, Aye. Birthday card pish, like everybody says at a funeral. Uh, but I after that, that was me, that was me done grieving it. But it wasn't, clearly. But this is what I found out through the psychologist. Because he was like, I think what you've been suffering with is like PTSD. And trauma. Uh, just through the whole trauma, losing my gran and that. So I was just like, fair enough. <laughs> like, at least I've got a wee bit of an answer. Aye, and like a wee bit of context. Uh, and I bet that helps, like, to have context. Because it must have been frustrating to wake up and be like, like, because at that point, you were, I'm assuming you knew you were starting that job. Aye. You'd be like, I've got fucking all this family around me, I'm starting a good job. Like, why the fuck do I feel like this? Aye. So it must have been like some sort of comfort to go, like to have somebody explain like, this is might this is this might be why you're actually feeling like this. And you like, that actually makes sense. But that's what I mean. Though. It just shows you how like naive I was. Like, I had totally well, I wouldn't say I totally forgot, but I didn't even take it into consideration that it was. It took me. Aye. I, I, would, to I wouldn't lose even my say cat. that was. I wouldn't even say that was naivety though. Like you don't know something that you don't know. And I think that sounds fucking stupid, but it's not uh, until somebody that points something out to you that you go, fuck, of course, like, well, that makes sense when you point it out, but when you're in the middle of it and you're in the middle of that fucking storm that you can't seem to get out of, like, you must have been thinking, like, why do I feel like this? I should be happy. And you're just looking for answers all the time, mate. Eh? I, like, I was hoping when I spoke to Craig that day, I was like, go and just tell me there was something that was in my drink. <laughs> I had to give you a reason. Aye, and then it'll fucking wear off in the next day or two. I'll hate you for the rest of my life for it, like, but at least that'll be it. But Aye. The fact that he was adamant and he kept on, like, I think I actually fell out with him for about a year or something after it. I can remember one day I was lying in bed and I had shouted at my mum and dad because my mentor says that I kept on shouting them and they had to respond otherwise I thought that's it aye, aye. I shouted and there was nobody in I was like oh fuck like that's it so I like jumped out my bed fucking ran through to the kitchen and my dad was like standing up with like his elbows on the kitchen counter head in his hands crying his eyes out and I'm standing back for a distance here thinking have I died is this the thing finding out I'm dead? That's mental, man. Right? So I'm just like, fucking hell. So I'm, I start to button, I'm like, Mum, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she's not replying at this point, eh? I'm like, ah, oh, fuck me, that's it. And then I keep going, I'm like, Mum, what's wrong? And I like, I fucking, I start tapping my dad, and he's like, that. Like, he, he's struggling to speak, and then eventually he comes down, and he's just like, Honestly, son, it's exactly what I went through at your age. And that was such a fucking wake-up call, Because eh? I was like, if you've went through it, then surely I'll get through it. So Aye. I was sitting, I'm sitting telling him all these different things of how I was feeling and that. He was like, Aye, 100%. Like, I, I felt the exact same as what, as what you were feeling. And just, just to give you a bit of background on my dad's childhood, like, he was brought up fucking 
by his so-called auntie and uncle, I think it was. Uh, his, his, my dad's mum committed suicide when he was only 15, I think. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was younger. Uh, he didn't know who that. He didn't know who his dad was. I'll get onto that in a second. But uh, yeah, he he was brought up by my uncle Jimmy and Marty Mary. So to give you a bit of background on his his going through the whole the whole depression, anxiety, etc. Obviously, he lost his mum. She committed suicide when he was very young. Uh, he quit school when I think he was about 15, 16. He's quite bad, uh, dyslexic-wise. But it's never stopped him. He's really good. He's really good with his fucking brain. Like, he could build anything out of anything. Uh, he worked in the dockyard for years. Um, aye, and then he was a class one lorry driver up until the accident that we had years ago. I'll speak about the accident in a fucking different podcast. But, <laughs> aye, so, he still suffers with depression to this day. And at that time, when he was crying on the kitchen counter, and I was asking him all these different things, he was just relating so much to his childhood that it brought it all back for him. And he was just like, I just can't even, I just wish it never happened to you, I thought it was never going to happen, and then bang, that's it. And But I just thought, that's a good thing though, because now I can that you've been through what I'm going through right now, so it's given me that support. And then my mum, like, she's just, she's similar to yourself, she's fucking none the wiser, she hasn't struggled with mental health issues or that, so she's she's obviously, Aye. she'll do anything for you, and she'll always, like, listen to you when you need to speak to her, but she's the same as you, she's above her, she doesn't care how it feels. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you don't need to know how it feels to speak or listen. Ah, and to, em- to empathise yeah, anyway. But if you kind of want to, like, match with something, like, you can't speak to the fit... You can't speak about football to some cunt that's into rugby. It's one of the Aye. things. Like, you need to be on the same wavelength to kind of, like, cross paths. Aye, and rationalise that uh, a bit. But, eh... Uh, Aye, so my dad's point of view, he was sitting, he, and then he got out this fucking folder that he had kept for when he was a bairn. Because he used to work doing the paper mill, and he he actually used to suffer with panic panic attacks, like, every day. And he was sitting saying that, as Gaffer used to say, right, Davey, just go up to the medical room, lie yourself down for 15 minutes, listen to one of these tapes. He's still got the tapes to this, to the, to this day, and the tapes are basically just met just meditation tapes that you can get online these days, anybody can access them. And they just basically make you tense up your whole body and hold it for say five seconds and then just relax and just breathe it. And it just lets all that sort of tension out your muscle. But more importantly it takes your mind off what you're worrying about and it makes you focus on tensing up every single muscle you've got in your body and then just releasing it out. So, he told me about these tapes and that. I was like, oh, that's fucking fair enough, that's class. I've still never listened to them, but... I was going to say, is that something <laughs> you've ever tried, no? I have tried it, aye, but it was online. It was no tape specific to him. 
but I, as soon as he told me that, like I was obviously, I just went straight on YouTube and I was trying all these different things and still to this day, like every night, if it's not a podcast, I'll listen to something that's sleep hypnosis or all that, all this different. Fucking whale noises. Hi, <laughs> just, just anything, <laughs> mate, anything that's relaxing. <laughs> still game, man. <laughs> oh, mate, that is relaxing. Just listen to this podcast about me. <laughs> Aye. Can't I be fucking sleeping? <laughs> but, uh, nah, just... Aye, so my dad, like, he's obviously the most relatable in my family I, I can speak to about this sort of shit. But even to this day, his, he's still on antidepressants, he's still suffering with depression massively but see to speak to him you would not have a fucking clue just because of the way Aye. that people hide it I well my my mum's the same I, I'm not going into too much detail about mum but just because it's her sort of story to tell but she was one of the she's a schizophrenic Aye. Um, so she spent time in war too and that uh, and I had it was it was a a night terror, I think you call it. Alright. You ever had one of them before? No. So it's sort of like you're fucking um you're you're sort of half sleeping but you're you are awake but still half asleep and it's sort of like a sleepwalk but it's like sleep paralysis. Alright, alright. So I had this fucking this thing where I thought this demon was fucking choking me or something due like in my in my dream. And I, I woke up for that, and I was like, ah, "Fuck me, is that? Is am I going like? I thought I, I thought I was like fucking schizophrenic or something. Uh-huh. Like like during that like that fucking experience because it was so fucking terrifying. I was like, ah, Jesus, is this what my my mum goes through like all the time? Mm-hmm. And then I, I googled it and and spoke to a few people and and that and re- and realised what it was. But I get what you're saying, like the. Like at least that you can re- relate that back to your dad, whereas like with my mum, I've got no idea what she goes through on a on a sort of like a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Then it must be fucking it must be terrifying for her because she constantly fights that. It's no that'll it'll never go away for her. Um, and as you say, like very much for your dad, that your dad's still on still on antidepressants and that, um, like. These sort of things like don't go away. Oh, I know. And I think that, like uh, like just to sort of like bring it back a wee bit even. That I think like there are there are certain people that are that are genuinely unwell, and like, I think if you compare it to like physical health, like there's there's some people that have got cancer, and then there's some people that are fat. Like both are unhealthy. But on completely different ends of the scale, like Aye. somebody who has cancer needs treatment and they need help, where somebody who's who's overweight maybe just needs to sort of organise. I, I, I don't. I'm not trying to sound bad here. That, that they can maybe help themselves a bit more than than what other people can. I think that's like very similar with mental health. That there's some people who are genuinely unwell and that that genuinely need help and then there's maybe other people 
who it, it doesn't when you're going through it, it doesn't feel any less important. But I think some people have got quicker fixes than others. Oh no, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, hundred percent. Like, sorry, I'm off a fucking tangent there, but we'd be here all day if I had to go through a fucking list of them. Eh? I know why we would. Like, but I get what you're saying. There, there's two ends of the scale to everything, whether it be mental problems or physical problems. But they can all be dealt with in different ways. But certainly for me, like physical exercise, and it's been proven medically to it helps so much with your mental health. If you want to do things like say yoga, meditation, home workouts, go out for a run, even go out for a walk, listen to a podcast. This one, fucking, thanks a lot. Uh, being fucking creative, man. <laughs> Honestly, I think being creative in whatever aspect you want makes such a difference. Just do something. Aye. Instead of sitting about and fucking thinking about things and how shit things are and how, oh, I can't be asked getting anyone ready today, just get up and fucking do something. See if that involves you getting up and, I don't know, tidying the house or walking your dog or shit like this. Just anything that gets you out of that comfort zone that you're in, sitting, wasting away in your thoughts. Just get up and do something. Beautiful man. Now, just going back to like the hereditary stuff. Like, obviously, you can em- like empathise, sympathise with your mum and what she has to go through on a daily basis. But I'm the exact same. Like, my dad, obviously, he he told me about his experiences in the past and that. And then it's like he doesn't get a break, which is. An awful thing to say, but and this is by no means a fucking cry me a river and give me your sympathy. It's nothing like that. It's just to put it into perspective. Like he is always the most positive person in the room, and in the past, say five years, he's had to deal with my mum being diagnosed with leukemia himself being diagnosed with cancer, he's then cured it. He then found out who his dad was and was told that he couldn't tell anybody who it was because of the magnitude of who the person was, because of how famous they were. I'm not going to mention any names. But he has to wake up every day and like, deal with shit like that. And there was, a, there was one point I genuinely thought I was going to lose him, because eh? he came so distant for us. Aye. Like, we'd be sit, like, I'd go down, like, I'd say I'd go down, I only moved out fucking last year. Like, I'd, I'd go down the stairs and uh, speak to my mum, and my dad would just be lying in his bed, uh, just nowhere to be seen, like, and he'd snap at the smallest things. Uh, like, my mum could have went shopping and she'd come in and she'd just maybe say, forgot fucking milk. Like, how your mum can forget milk, I don't know. But that would send them after. And it was just a sad, sad state of affairs. And I just had to remind him, and I just, I sat him down one day, and he was, he cried every day, and it was horrible. But, uh, I just had to say to him, I was like, look, Dad, it's took you fucking, well, what, he's just turned 60, so... 
just say 57. It's took you 57 years to find out who your dad is. What fucking difference does it make if you can speak to him or mm-hmm. not? That's literally all I say to him. I was like, the folks that care about you and you care about are already around you. Aye. Like, granted, you're missing out on some other regions of family, but who cares, genuinely? Like, I genuinely have got so much hatred for the members of my family that I'm not going to name that actually told him about who his dad was that I've known the whole time but they just decided to tell him when he turned 57. Aye, when there's no real name. Like, if anything... Oh, mate. How cruel is that? Like, I can't even imagine what he's going through. And he, he literally says to this day he wishes his dad was fucking Joe Bloggs for down the road that he could just go down and speak to. But he, that's that's just not the case. But the fact that you, you can hold on to a secret like that for this many years and then just bring it up and put somebody in that position mentally is just sickening. Aye. But, uh, aye, that's pretty much... <laughs> that's pretty much my story in regards to mental health. Uh, put myself out there first in the hope that some other folk come forward but just to be clear this isn't this isn't a podcast that's going to be I, I don't want folk to come on here and tell me everything that's shit about their life it's nothing about that it's about experience that they've, experiences that they've had throughout their life and how they've dealt with it whether it be grief whether it be good times whether it be gambling whether it be misuse anything anything at all that's a life experience that you think somebody else might benefit from what you've been through and what you've done to overcome it. That's all I want to hear from folk on here. I mean, as you said, I, I'm, I'm keen to have as much fun as possible with this. It'll obviously be better when we're doing it in person. I think it'll be fucking brilliant when we're doing it in person. But, I uh, similar to you, just... I'm, I'm not even I actually just want to listen to folks fucking stories like and just hear what they've got to say and uh, I, it doesn't have to be something major and like you don't have to like um, try and go on what I'm trying to say here it doesn't have to be like a major thing that you've overcame like a drug addiction or Aye. And like that, it could just be. Like, I want people to just for this to be a platform of people for to people to come on and like speak about their lives, even if it's just like their their pals are in. Like, like I genuinely don't care if anyone ever listens to this because I've enjoyed. Like, I only knew about maybe maybe like twenty percent of what you've said tonight. Aye. So like, if if nobody ever listens to this, it has been purely beneficial. Like even just for the two years. So even if it's that sort of thing for somebody else that like that they come in and get someone off their chest, if somebody does come on, we'll record it, we'll let people listen to it. See in the end if we, we record a two hour conversation and they go actually I'm not I'm not really comfortable with putting that out there. We'll fucking scrap it. Like 
even if you find the conversation beneficial, we don't even have to put it out there. Like, there's not going to be any pressure on anybody to release anything that they don't want to release. They'll have full control over, like, anything they want edited out or anything that they've said where they've went, fuck, I wish that wasn't in there. Or if they want to scrap the whole thing, then that's what we'll do. It's It's not a problem. Like, we're here anyway and we're happy to have the conversations whether even if whether they're, they're recorded or not I'm no bothered mass uh, as long as the people like the people listening get some benefit out of it and hopefully that the person actually recording the podcast with us gets some benefit out of it I'd be delighted with that whether it's popular or not I'm, I'm really no bothered you know what I mean the thing is the last thing we want is for folk to come on here and feel uncomfortable we want folk to come on here and feel the most comfortable they've ever felt speaking about what the, what's happened to them in the past, whether it be good things or bad things. Yeah. We want them to just be happy to share their experiences with us, regardless if it's, if it's been recorded or not. The only reason it's been recorded is because there's a chance that somebody out there listening to this might benefit. Aye. And if they're not willing to share that information, then there's no problem with that whatsoever <laughs> I, I, I generally have no concerns with recording a two hour podcast and fucking binning it if the person doesn't feel comfortable like if no. if the person recording it has felt some benefit out of it and that's all it is then, then that's fine with me but hopefully folk feel comfortable enough to to share it with other people and hopefully help other folk as well because everybody everybody will have something to relate like to to any issues that, that anybody's went through. Aye, uh, 100%. Uh, right. I'm pretty much happy with that. How do you think? What do you think, Scotty? I mean, that'll, that, that could do us for now, and then we'll, we'll pick it back up next time, hopefully with somebody else. When, like, we will get better at this. I apologise <coughs> in advance for any fucking... Anything that we've said that was shite or or whatever, I, I'm I'm actually really happy with what we've done. But um, we will get better. We're we're just fucking we're learning as we go. So uh, bear with us. Perfect, Scotty. And there you have it. That is the first episode of the Anxiety Society podcast. Um, I know myself, it wasn't 100%. Whether it was the language we used, the links between points, uh, the pronunciation of some certain words. But uh, I'm sure it will get better as time goes on and we keep recording podcasts, speaking to various different people. But if you can relate to anything that we've just spoke about, or if you can take anything from that conversation, then we've already achieved our goal, in my opinion. If you've got any opinions on how we could maybe do better, or your thoughts on what you felt about the last hour or so's worth of content, feel free to give us a message on the Facebook page. Also, if you've been affected by anything that I spoke about, uh, throughout the conversation don't be scared to uh, uh, drop us a message because I'll be more than happy to speak to you but yeah I hope you enjoyed it uh, stay tuned for more podcasts 
this will be getting uploaded to both Spotify and YouTube as far as I'm aware. So yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and thanks a lot for listening. Cheers.